0: All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Dieter Jr., and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are excited to be with you here. Jay coming to you live from beautiful in the luxurious confines (laughs) of the Candlewood Suites, Mobile, Alabama. How's Mobile,
1: Jay? It's not the same without you. That's for sure. I know it's, it's not the a, same without anybody. Are <laughs> you the is.
0: only guy down? Like, what is it like walking around the streets down there, wondering like it's it probably looks like Mobile normally looks. Yes, uh, it
1: was dead last night. I walked. I went to dinner, and it was there. There was nothing going on on the streets, and it's they've already canceled. Not canceled. They've already closed practice to the media today. It's supposed to just dump rain. It's nice. It's seventy one degrees, but it's it's supposed to just dump rain all day today. So maybe beautiful isn't the right adjective.
0: I got to tell you with where we've been here back in Cincinnati, I I think I would just sit in that park with a giant umbrella above me and just enjoy the 71 and just pretend that it's not raining.
1: There is a very nice gazebo. There's a lot of gazebos in the South. I might just go up and sit in that gazebo. And from that gazebo is a view of the, the bengal staff hotel so i might just take my binoculars and hang out there <laughs> no, no. and stake whoa, those guys whoa. out <laughs> whoa that's a little creepy i mean going in the lobby not looking into the room look 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 I don't, look. you're sitting in the gazebo with the binoculars towards
0: the hotel i don't think a you should be doing it b you definitely shouldn't be admitting it here
1: uh on a podcast i i, 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 I could be a bird watcher people don't know oh yeah that's what it is <laughs> birds don't hang out inside of hotel rooms jay they hang out in parks
0: Jay, don't go there. Don't, don't try to rationalize binoculars in the park towards the hotel.
1: I, I actually I didn't even bring my binoculars. So.
0: There we go. There we go. Okay, that makes reassuring for everybody. <laughs> well, if you're in Mobile and you see a you see a man trying to purchase binoculars, uh, be aware he has he does not have good intentions. <laughs> That's so creepy. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, but we got some stuff to get to though. New Jerseys are happening. It's happening.
1: I don't people, are, people I, I don't get I mean, I guess I do, but it's the the amount of excitement for that is really it kind of it surprises me how I mean and it shouldn't because as you mentioned in your mailbag, every mailbag QA we do ever, there's questions about the jerseys, but I just I, I don't think it's gonna be radical. So I just I, I don't know, the excitement kind of surprises the excitement level kind of surprises me.
0: I will talk a little bit about what we know about it, what they said about it, and, and, uh, you know, a a little bit on that nugget of news. Then a lot of draft talk. You know, you're in Mobile. The draft starts in Mobile, Jay. You know that? It it does. It says that everywhere. It says it everywhere. Uh, (laughs) And so with you being in Mobile and us fully into draft stuff, not that we haven't been talking about it a lot, but um, dive a little bit further into some of the interesting, you know, players to be watching this week. And some of the developments that are starting to happen on that front. And, you know, with no combine now, um, a lot more emphasis on the senior bowl. And, and I'm, you know, I've, in talking to some people, some interesting things I've heard about what the real tangible effects of no combine are going to be and the Bengals' concern level towards those. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, Jay, you're going to have stats, which uh, people hopefully have seen some of them in your story about the. Sort of the history of worst to first and the possibilities of that, which is great. If you haven't, uh, go to the site, athletic.com. You can head to our Bengals page wherever. I uh, highly recommend you subscribing. If you don't, uh, I believe it's $3.99 a month right now. I mean, great deals going on. Um, so just go to the athletic.com, click any of those links for our stories, and you can subscribe there and, and read. Um, you've got that story up, and you've got some more stats on that.
1: Yeah, I didn't get into some of these stats in the story. There was there was just uh, so much there. With thanks to all the other beat writers from the the other seven last place teams and their contributions, I had to hold some of that stuff back. So we'll we'll get to that here today.
0: When you talk to those guys, was there a commiseration of the suck? Was there you know how, how, about just tales? There's always tales of the tail spin, you know, at the end of everybody's year. If you end up in these spots, I, I would love those would be good stories to collect as well.
1: The, I, I didn't actually, this was all done over Slack, so there wasn't actual in-person conversations, but I did enjoy when I sent out the the feeler to everybody. Matt Barrows, who covers the 49ers, just replied with the uh, the Tom Petty line, even the even the losers get lucky sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Playing right to your wheelhouse, too, with that. That's right. Uh, um,
0: all right. So, hey, by the way, and I, I, I hate to deviate early as we're going through uh, the rundown here. What do you think about, did you approve of my grunge uh, analogy in the mailbag about the Bengals 2020 season uh, being Stone Temple Pilots and the Bengals potential for a good 2021 being Soundgarden? Because I felt only person who I seek approval for on this was you,
1: Jay. I did. I loved it. And, and not just because of the band you picked, but I thought it was spot on. It was, it was a perfect analogy. And then I was floored. Like, I I love Soundgarden, but it's always been Chris Cornell for me. I was floored by Trent's knowledge of Soundgarden, ripping off these guys, all the the other um, band members' names and their majors in college, and it was just... It's like wow man Trent is I, I, I thought the only thing Trent went that in depth into was Star Wars but he, no. he knows his sound garden
0: he knows his sound garden he does so I, I, I think he was a little offended by me saying that Chris Cornell was the was really uh <laughs> to for me the the star game changer if you haven't if you haven't read the analogy or seen it or how the Bengals 2021 season always has a chance to be the black hole Sun video that is in the mailbag uh that is that is up that posted on Friday so you can take a look at that um we're gonna get into the Super Bowl we're gonna talk uh, a little bit about all the coaching and quarterback movement happening around the league and how that affects the Bengals. So a lot to get to there. Let's go to jerseys. Hey, they're here. Well, they're not here. They're, there's been an announcement of an announcement. So the, the Bengals have really sort of gone NFL uh, schedule with this. Like, we're going to have an <laughs> announcement of an announcement. At some point, I assume we're going to have an announcement of the announcement of the announcement. Like, we're, I'm not sure where on that timeline we are yet, but the, the hype Train has left the station, and everybody is now making their designs. You know, fruitlessly because the des- the design's already done. It's just a matter of them going through the production and and everything. But um, so that des- everybody's everybody's has ideas, but we all will wait uh, until it- you know these things across the league. April is is when i mean last year i think there were seven uniform changes a year i think pretty much all of them happened in april people want them done before the draft and kind of the draft being a big unveiling of them so uh if all goes to plan i would assume that's about when we'll probably see them um just that's just the traditional way that these things have gone now but yeah so we we wait until then
1: yeah i'm i'm eager to see how they do this because um if you remember when they when they rolled out the color rush uh uniforms they put this big thing together at the Cincinnati zoo and had uh, Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins and Tyler Boyd model the new uniforms at the zoo in front of the white tiger exhibit. I don't know that they can do that this year uh, with, with the virus still being what it is. Um, And and you talked about the announcement of the announcement. I I really like the, the vague reference to the announcement of the announcement, when they just tweeted the eyeballs early in the morning, everybody's like, "What is that about?"
0: Oh, and, I know that was like an announcement of an announcement of an announcement. Yeah, it was. You're right. It's so deep.
1: And I, I wonder too, like for for the the PR staff, really anybody that works for the Bengals, how they're sleeping right now? Because they got to be just. I mean, that's not a team that has a lot of leaks, but they have to be really <laughs> worried about is the are these is the design in any way going to leak out before they announce it.
0: They, I mean, they have kept even their pursuit of this under lock and key. Um, You know, you catch wind of things. I mean, just being around and talking to you, you catch wind of things, but nothing ever concrete. But, I mean, it's years of pursuing this involved in the background this is not a wake up in january 8th and be like i think this is i think i want to do a new uniform i mean this (laughs) is you have to go through a process you have to talk to the nfl you have to vet designs you have to all kinds of i mean they this has been going on and and i mean they they won't even there's lots of people i i mean lots of people in the building that i would assume didn't even know this was going on and so um that's Part of this. It's a it's a big deal. And the other part of it is, and I, I feel you know, I feel for them a little bit. It's such a lose lose. <laughs> mm-hmm. The best case scenario, 25% of your fans don't like it. Like they're, <laughs> they're just it's fashion. It's clothes. There is no anything anybody could do and make a hundred percent of their fans be like I love it, right? You just hope to hit over fifty percent. You hope most like it. It's gonna spring debate. It's like the helmet thing, which kind of came out, which the news of this was they're not changing the helmet at all, okay? 75% of people probably were all like, at least from the one, what I saw, like, oh, I love the helmet. Legendary. Never touch that helmet. It's iconic. It's the brand, all this stuff, right? And there's 25% of people that just hate the helmet. Got to get rid of the helmet. It's just so ugly. And it's like, that's... Probably a best case scenario for almost anything that you do, and now you're gonna put these new jerseys out here, and who knows what they're gonna look like? I mean, we've seen cases where this stuff goes terrible in the past. Tampa with the alarm clock numbers, yeah. Tampa fans complained about that the second it came out, and they couldn't. You can could only change. It. You have to do it for a certain amount of time because you can't be changing your uniforms all the time. The league doesn't like that. Allow it. I mean, it's
1: tough. I mean, you you just have to assume that there's gonna be some people you that don't like it. They're not going to like the design, and then there's going to be a faction that, depending on how much they change, people are either going to want more or less. If it's if it's just kind of a subtle change, then everybody's going to complain and they wanted an overhaul. They wanted something totally new, and if they go totally new and something unexpected, I, I think that's going to put some some people off. Um, you're right. It, there's no way. There's it's. It, I don't know if it'd be lose lose, but it you are going to. You are going to upset a good number of your fan base. the The thing is, you go out and you win, and that all goes away. Because I remember in '81, um, I was a freshman in high school when the new uniforms came out, and people hated them. And what they do, they went to the Super Bowl that year, and everybody all of a sudden had a different take on on the new on the new uniforms, the new helmet. Um, I thought Lance McAllister had a great find. He went back. Did you see it? Yeah, the video he posted. It was painful to watch. I mean, they're very interviewing painful. Reggie Williams and Glenn Bushnak about the new uniforms, and these guys know nothing about fashion, and they're they're trying to answer questions. A very young Dennis Jansen hosted that that segment. Um, you should go back on Lance's Twitter feed and, and find the video to watch. It a is, mustache. Yes, it was. <laughs> that was the era for those. But yeah, it was. It's just uh, that's to me that's the second most interesting thing is how they're going to roll it out. Or are they just going to have – can they have a press conference? Can they have people there in person? Are they going to do anything fancy like they did with the zoo? Um, number one, obviously, is just what are they going to look at – look like. But number two is how are they going to present them? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, who, who knows what anything looks like at that point. Um, you know, a lot of the ones in the past, usually some sort of photo shoot done with players, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how a lot of it um, – shows up with team photo shoots and team videos and all of them wearing the new, you know, with smoke and everything else. So um, (laughs) as far as live stuff, we'll find out. But anyway, that's uh, the one other thing that I do know is um, some people have asked us and I actually didn't have the answer to this in the mailbag. And I do now that the logo is not changing. The B is staying. So the field will still have the B with the stripes on it. You know, I know the reds use the C. Right, like and so there's kind of maybe felt it could be weird to use the C, but it always to me felt weird if you're going to use a letter, you're not using the letter of the city you rep. Yeah, did ever? I mean, I just it's like a B for Bengals. Okay, I, I mean, I I get it, uh, but it always it always felt weird that it wasn't C for Cincinnati. But it, I digress. What do I know? Uh, what about
1: CB? CB? Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, that's two letters. I Very know, complicated. I mean, if you, if you live in L.A., that's two letters. You got to, I mean. Yeah, and then they
0: got to intertwine. It's a whole thing. <laughs> All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't
1: get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: Let's talk a little bit about draft and Senior Bowl, where you are at in Mobile. Jay, give me, give me a picture of the week in, in Mobile and what it kind of looks like. I mean, we talked a little bit about the emptiness, but as far as what, what is going on, just to inform fans of what's, what's happening in Mobile this week.
1: Yeah. Right, right now, as we're recording this at, um, I guess it's nine 26 Cincinnati time. Uh, they are going through the weigh-ins uh, that has always been open to um, media and scouts. And, and even the public, I think has been allowed in there in the past. And they walk these guys out on stage and do their official height and weight and um, wingspan and all that. Like everything else that's being done, not virtually, the guys are actually there getting measured, but they're, nobody's allowed in there. So right now, if you follow the Senior Bowl account, they're tweeting out every single player's picture with his measurements. Um, after that, uh, later today, they'll have their first practice. Um, that's already been canceled to the media because it's supposed to just dump rain all day. Um, there'll be practices throughout the week. Um the, the, there was always a media day as well on Tuesdays. That's no longer the case. They are they are supposed to be doing the stars of the team are going to um, have interviews after practice, socially distance interviews um, where they stand on the field and the media is in the, in the stands. Uh, Ian Book, the quarterback from Notre Dame was one of the ones that was going to go today. I assume all those are canceled since the media can't get in. Uh, then they're in the evening from seven to 10, they're doing phone calls. So it's, it's really going to be tough to talk to, to um, players this year. There's a there's a few from uh, UC down here, um, it, but these practices will go on throughout the week. They'll they'll switch. Uh, they've always done north and south. They they switched it to American and National this year just because the the, the geographic designations never lined up. Um, anyhow, I think last year there was you know some Ohio State players on the south, and I, I think there was even an Alabama player on the north. It was kind of weird. Um, but they, the the coaching staffs will switch and get access to the the players on on the opposite team, and then the game comes up on Saturday. Uh, first time ever, they have a new stadium down here at the University of South Alabama. It was always at that, that really old, decrepit stadium. People's yes, horrible, horrible Awful. setup there. Awful. Um, they, I mean, it's just they had two elevators last year. Only one was working. Um, it was. It was just impossible to get around. It was impossible to get in. If you can, I don't even, I can't even think of anything comparable. Um, luckily, we jumped on the the media bus from the hotel and we were able to zip around all the traffic because of that. But I, people that go into the game, you would have had to have left two, three hours early just to get there by kickoff because it's like in the middle of a neighborhood and yes. it's just two, two lane roads and just backed up as far as you can see. So yeah, I, I will be coming home uh, Thursday. Won't be staying for the game this year since the Bengals aren't coaching. But that's it's kind of a rundown of what things look like this week. Only ten members of any staff are allowed to be down there. So yeah. you've got um,
0: the main coordinators, uh, Zach Taylor obviously, and then you have the scouting staff with its. Duke and Stephen Radicevich, uh, Mike Potts, who's the director of college. Stephen, the director of pro, um, and also does West Coast. Um, and who else? Let's see. Is I assume I'm not being down there. I'm assuming Andrew John. You know, some of their other scouts are probably also a part of that mix.
1: Yeah, I haven't caught up with them yet. I'm going to try to track them down um, before they head out to practice today, but. Yeah, I'm not, not positive who all who the rest of that traveling party. I would is. assume
0: every team has about the same positions down there. You know, about half scouts, half coaches. Mostly your top end coaches, coordinator types <clears throat> that are that are going to be down there. That's just sort of what this thing is. Um, you know, maybe some teams that lean heavier towards scouts and don't give a crap what the coaches think um, would have less. But I mean almost all of your head coaches and top coordinators typically go to these things anyway and care about them. So, um, you know, that's – everybody kind of on that same level playing field as far as that goes this year, whatever that's worth. Um, so we'll watch. We'll watch what happens on this week, the practices on NFL Network usually, and you can kind of keep an eye on stuff there if that's what you're into. Um, I want to – Dane Brugler has his top 100 draft board. out Again, all this stuff is behind um, uh, our – the athletic wall right now. And, and if you're a subscriber, you have access to it. It's must read type stuff. As we know, when Dane really goes deep in this, you mentioned there's, there's a couple of interesting things about it. Um, as far as the senior bowl ends, though, who you have some you had some of the names and the positions that are represented, particularly at the senior bowl and on his top 100 list you wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah. And really, it's, it, it, this hits the Bengals well, because you look at the, the, the positions that they are most likely targeting early in the draft Um, offensive tackle uh, Dane has 10 of those in his top 100 Um, guards. He has nine edge guys. He has 13 and cornerbacks. He has nine. So that's, that's what 22 and 19 that's 41 of the, of of the um, top 100 at those positions. Now they're not all here. It's obviously this is the senior bowl, and a lot of those guys, Panay Sewell, that type, are underclassmen. They are not here. Um, but as far as the guys that are here, um, there's there's three of Dane's top 10 tackles um, Alex Weatherwood, Leatherwood from Alabama, James Hudson from the Bearcats, uh, and Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. Um, there's five guards here, there's five edge rushers. There's only one cornerback, and it figured I don't even know how to say this name. It's a Fitu. Fonwu <laughs> from Syracuse good try uh, he's he's the only guy that that is actually here most of those most of Dane's top cornerbacks are underclassmen who are not down here this week but it's there there is a is if you're talking offensive line and edge rusher the, the two big spots um there there's a decent number of guys down here for these guys to scout i i, I think i wrote
0: this or i don't remember where i said it but I would be stunned if they didn't come away with one of those top 100 edge rushers from Dane's list. Stunned. Yeah, I mean 13 of them here, so <laughs> yeah. And what that and that's a, that's your they have they have three picks. I mean, at least yeah. it, you know, what, three shots at it. I mean, the the depending on if unless they trade back in the first round, you're there's no edge in that top group. Yeah. Um and, and that's You know that's unfortunate because when you start talking about guys that can really make an impact, um, you know, in year one for edge rushers for pass rushers, almost solely those come from the back from from the front. Excuse me, the front of your draft. I mean, from the top fifteen, if you're going to get guys. In fact, I was kind of going through this list. I'll probably include it in the story down the line here of just searching for guys. Yet, as rookies, had at least nine sacks and at least twenty with at least twenty quarterback hits. You know, a really, really, really game changing type edge rush year. All of them that have done it in the last fifteen years since they started tracking QB hits on Pro Football Reference. All of them are first round picks, except one. You know who that is? Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson. Yeah, the only one that wasn't. But Did all nine? of them. All of them, He it, maybe, I, maybe I searched, my search was eight, eight and a half. I think he had eight and a half or nine. Yeah, that's what I thought he Wherever was. he ended up at was my demarcation on it. But, the, you know, all of them, first round or top 15 picks, and the vast majority of those that do it in their first three years come from that. I mean, you know, there's – the Bengals have been very, I don't know if lucky, efficient, whatever you want to call it in that they have never utilized first-round picks on defensive linemen and hit Grand Slam, home run, Uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, Michael Johnson, Carl Lawson. They have had a knack for finding those guys um, in the back ends of these drafts despite so many – Sam Hubbard, despite so many – of the proven game changers, really coming from having to come from the top, um, it's it's just a rarity. And so, I, when you talk about edge rusher, temper your expectations if you're using your number thirty-eight or you know your third, top of the third round pick on an edge rusher to think that that guy's going to come in. Carl Lawson doesn't happen every year, despite the fact that it has happened here. You know, we have, we have seen those seasons. Carlos Dunlap also is a rookie, and it's amazing that the Bengals have been in that mix because. Almost nobody else has done that. And it'd be interesting to see them try that path again. But I mean, that's, you know, it's, they need pass rush and they need it now. Um, And there will be opportunities and they'll take a guy. Um, But I will say you got to temper your expectations a little bit to think that they're going to come in and be the game changer from day one.
1: And just the way this, it lines up, it hits them really well because there are 13 of Dane's top 100 of his top 100. And there's not that top end I mean, these guys; these are all second, third, fourth round guys. Probably, um, could they, it just doesn't have that top end talent. It's almost, it's almost kind of like tackle. where you've got Sewell and, and Slater, and then it, it's, it's not like the last few years where you had like four, three, four, five bona fide first round picks uh, at tackle. And um, this, it, both those positions, tackle and edge rusher, are more, more deep this year than they are top heavy.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a ton of tackles that are going to go in the first two rounds, and your depth is going to really show up. Um, and you know, and keep that in mind. You know, you talk about a guy like Leatherwood, for example, who's going to be here um, at the Senior Bowl, and you know, with you, so much will depend on how things play out in free agency, and that's always going to be the asterisk on everything, particularly with the offensive line. But if you're sitting there and a guy, a guy like Leatherwood at 38 that can play guard immediately and maybe kick out the tackle, you know, maybe that's what they did with Andrew Whitworth when they selected him in the second round way back in the day. You know, there was questions about whether he could be a tackle and you get him in the building and start him there and then maybe you kick him out. Versatility is something that certainly can be in play and in the conversation depending on if they need it. And, and so... And there's a lot of different directions you can go there, but that you could absolutely see that happening. I mean, let's talk about some success stories and where they have invested at guard, if you're gonna talk about that, where they never really have. Okay. Um, historically, Eric Steinbeck, Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler was 27th overall, a trade back, and the second of two first round picks. So more of a okay, we'll go there then. Eric Steinbeck, top of the second round. Okay, that those are the, probably the heaviest investments they found and they've had success there. So if you're looking at where they're maybe looking to replicate things of the past, maybe that's your tell there. If if they're not going to go into free agency, which is if you're looking for tells, they've never quite done that at guard. So if if that sits out there, then yeah, a guy with guard tackle flexibility who can really be a a great player to come in and start for you immediately at the top of the second round would make a ton of sense.
1: And there are there are a handful of those guys in the, in this draft. Yep. That, I mean, I, I think what Jalen Mayfield from Michigan played tackle, but he's Dane's got him listed as a guard. There's, and, and I wonder, I keep going back to when I, when I was doing that story on Panay Sewell and, and Paul Alexander, the former Bengals offensive line coach, was really hesitant to, to make any comments about him because he wanted to wait and see his official measurement because he, he, he thought his height is a big deal and he wasn't sure that, you know he's going to come in i mean there's there's all these next anthony muñoz projections and and <laughs> Sewell's the greatest thing ever but that i mean if he's on that edge height i mean he's a guy that possibly could could play some guard as well if they feel figure he's better suited in there you watch his college tape and you're like no way that guy's a tackle but it again we talked about this there's there's no elite edge rushers in the in the Pac12 and if if size is a question at all maybe Maybe that, that comes into play with him as well.
0: Let's talk about him because the, uh, you know, sort of I think something that maybe surprised some people. Um, you know, the the Pinay Soul is Anthony Munoz truthers out there. <laughs> uh I think, you know, they don't they don't like hearing things like this. And I, I've been saying this and I wrote this in the offensive line story last week. I trust the voices that consistently get it right, and and I and I look to those. And those are voices in the Lutheran league, and those are voices. There's a few of them certainly in the media um, that are very good, and Dane would be amongst them. And for what it's worth, Dane has Penesul number two on his top 100. Okay, he, he, the projection plays for him, although he has called him not the you know undeniable great prospect, the flawless prospect that everyone is making him out to be. Daniel Jeremiah is one of those. Consistently on the money, consistently ahead of the trend, consistently says the thing first that everybody ends up following to create big draft groupthink, which I despise. It's a big problem. Um, Regardless, Daniel had not just Rashawn Slater from Northwestern as the first tackle taken and going to the Bengals at five overall in his mock draft, but... Penesul sliding all the way to ten, and pointing out questions about him. Stuff that we have brought up, a guy that has, you know, there's just the elite competition that you go against week in and week out is not there in the Pac-12. It's just not, and you know, there's a lot of questions about. It's still projection here for all that you see, and that. This is not; those within the league are not sitting there saying, "Like, oh, Orlando Pace, oh, this guy." It's just not what's being said. It's not, and and that has come out now in some of these names that you trust. The the projection of possibility is great, but it's this is this is not the gotta take him no no doubt slam dunk guy. Slater bringing you flexibility. I flexibility is great, and he you know he has the tape. The guy who, who, you know, his his tape against Chase Young put him in this spot, right? That's a real guy that's holding your own, and he's got tape about against those types of guys. And that's and maybe Sewell would have that if he had made those matchups, but he doesn't. And I think that's a big part of the difference
1: right now is is you're looking for more of the proof. Yeah, I one, I don't know if I if <clears throat> Sewell goes all falls all the way to ten just based on you know what the what offensive line play is in the league and how bad everybody needs it. But yet, uh, yet another interesting note about Slater is, you know, he started as a right tackle and then moved to a left tackle in 2019. He did not play. He was another guy that opted out in 2020, didn't play. Um, but just that, not just versatility as, t- as far as as tackle guard, but that versatility of playing both left and right. I mean, we assume Jonah Williams is, is the left tackle moving forward, um, you know, ideally for the next eight, nine years. But, I don't think that's in stone yet. We haven't seen him really kind of live up to that that first round billing. So that's it's just another interesting piece where where Slater gives you that versatility to to swing to either side.
0: All right, let's just take a quick break. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but the the quarterback movement and the quarterback potential and the coaching and GM change is so wild this year that you know. There is just going to be so much action and, you know, GMs, when they show up to a new job and the number one thing on everybody's list is what's my quarterback situation and how can I fix it? How can I build it for the future? How can I figure this thing out? Most of the time for a new GM, you, you know, you, you're ready to draft a guy. Get that rookie QB contract. Find that next great QB. Pair them with your coach and go. And that there's four guys this year that, much like we saw a couple years ago with the Baker Mayfield draft, um, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen, where four guys are going to be up in that top mix that people are going to be looking to stake their claim on. And you know, are you going to end up like the Cardinals or are you going to end up like the Bills? Uh, or you're gonna play the Jets, where that staff never gets to see the next move happen, right? <laughs> but you, you, you're, you, you want to make sure you get that guy. That means trades up are gonna be interesting. That means a lot of action and movement and people trying to get into different spots in the draft is all gonna be possible. And, and that plays into look. It's not impossible that the draft starts one, two, three, four quarterbacks. Is that gonna happen? I don't know. Probably not. But in a quarterback-driven league, and all these new GMs, and some teams in the top, that are probably willing to take quarterbacks anyway. It's not out of the question that the Bengals could be sitting there with the number one non-quarterback player on the board in front of them.
1: Not and impossible. A phone that doesn't stop ringing.
0: Right. Also in play. You know, I think I, you know, and, and we'll talk a lot about this. And there's a lot of questions about trading back. I wrote about it in the mailbag. I look if you look at the history of the Bengals and trading back in the, in the early rounds. Let's talk about early rounds because that's what we're, that's what this is about. This is not about fourth round. This is about the number five and to a lesser degree thirty eight. But this is about five. When you look at the first two rounds and their their philosophy. It's the same thing over and over again. Back, 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 back. Always move back, stack more picks in the add draft capital later or or for a piece. They've they've never hesitated really to move back, you know, as much as people think that they do. I mean, I ran through them in the mailbag. It's over and over. In the second round in particular, that's been their honey hole, 17, 18, 19. Move back in the second round, move back in the second round and it paid off, Mixon, Bates. Right. And they were able to add picks. Now the second picks later didn't always work out, but they had more. Um, and so you talk about that philosophy. They moved back when they traded for Cordy Glenn from twelve to twenty one. People forget that sometimes. Um, not that it worked out, but that's <laughs> what they have done, right? Kevin Zeitler, I mentioned earlier, move back. So when you're talking about, oh, they would never do that, yeah, they would. <laughs> yeah, they would. Um, and they have shown a propensity for doing that. If there is anything that is kind of defined their early-round philosophy, it has been two things. We'll either stand pat or move back. We're not doing Kajana-Carter again, right? That's yeah. that's kind of been their message.
1: Well, when they – they even trading up that was not early, that's something that Kajana was really I, – I think the last time they did that. But when they trade up, it's in those mid-rounds. We, we saw they traded up right. for – Again, didn't work out. But traded up for Ryan Finley. Traded up for Russell Michael Bodine. Um, Would you? Who'd you say? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yes. Um, none of those have really worked out. But they have. I think when they did it for Bodine, and what was that? 13, 13 or fourteen? Fourteen. Um, that was the first time they had traded up since Kajana. And since then, they have done it a lot more. Um, and that—that's where I think people where they say they just never make trades. It's because at the top of the draft, they don't trade up, but you're right. They do. They It's become almost the norm for, for them to trade back in those early rounds. And it makes as much sense this year as it ever has, especially if those quarterbacks start flying off, like you said. And even you look at – it's not so important to even look at who has the first four picks right now. You know it just – it gets crazy. soon As soon as that first round starts drawing near, teams panic and they overpay the teams that don't have quarterbacks feel like they have to get them, and you're right. I, I don't think we would see quarterback, 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 quarterback with the way the draft is, the order is constructed right now. But all that stuff's on the table. There's there's teams, you know, behind the Bengals that would absolutely be interested in coming up and getting one of those quarterbacks that, that need quarterback.
0: Yeah, that's that's just it. And we talked about that. That's really the key. Is you know, Philly looks like they're probably going to stand pat. Even though but look, you know, they've got they've got new new pieces, new head coach, all that stuff. Who knows what Carson Wentz? But you know, still Detroit quarter Detroit definitely gonna be looking to draft a quarterback, by the way. Detroit, you know, you think that they could be even moving up to go trade up with the Jets or the Dolphins. People are gonna be calling them. Uh Carolina, obviously. Denver, obviously. San Francisco at 12. Free agency, I mean, let's talk. I mean, when you get into what free agency is going to look like, who knows? These quarterbacks are going to be all over the place. Aaron Rodgers could be out in Green Bay. That's a massive domino that could change three or four quarterback situations. Matt Stafford is going to be traded out of Detroit. We know. Deshaun Watson certainly seems like he's going to do everything in his power to continue to get out of Houston. I mean, the possibility, I think what people don't realize is those dominoes. It's like, okay, San Francisco trades for Matt Stafford. Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo goes somewhere. That displaces a guy who moves somewhere else. You Suddenly you end up with all this change and all this movement, and plus all these young quarterbacks, four quarterbacks that are going to come in and look, if you're taking a guy in the top 10, he's probably going to play. Maybe not immediately, but pretty soon. That's just historically the way it goes. And so I was going through this list. The teams that definitely – are going to have the same coach-quarterback combo next year, which the Bengals fall into with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. I mean, and I'll throw in some probabilities. Like, definitely and probably. So, the AFC, definitely. Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, Bengals, Titans, and then probably the Raiders and the Browns. I think the Raiders and the Browns would talk to people that were going <laughs> to dangle somebody in front of them, like a Stafford or Watson or any of those big three, but are decently happy, but they listen to upgrade. NFC, you know, Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, Vikings, Bucks, obviously, and then probably Cowboys. I would assume Dak stays there, and that's fine. That is it <laughs> <laughs> that for sure will have, that you assume is going to have the same quarterback-coach combo. That's 13 teams out of 32 and seven out of the 17 games that will be played on the Bengals' schedule next year on the assumption that they're going to play San Francisco in a future 17th game. I mean, that's good for the Bengals. Stability at that position, even with Brady this year. Look, it took them three-quarters of the season to get everything totally figured out, then they rolled. But it takes time. New coach, new quarterback. That stuff takes time.
1: And not just the—I mean, only seven of the sixteen games against teams in that situation. But also, um, I just—this just came to me. I—I I, I tweeted it earlier. But when you look, I think it was seven—seven seven games next year that that Zach will be going against head coaches with less experience than he has. It's it, just the turnover is is unreal and. Yeah, Joe only got 10 games but it's still it's his second season in the in the system. Um, just everything this is a big reason for for keeping Zach after a second you know not ideal year with, with record wise just that continuity is so important and it'll be interesting to see too when, when the schedule comes out how those line up. Do, do they do they get those teams that have new quarterback head coach combinations? early or get them late. Cause if you can get those teams early before they really get settled in, that's, it's going to be a big advantage.
0: Absolutely. Um, not so ideal year record wise. That's a nice way of putting that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, very, that's very nice of you, Jay. If, if I was writing it, it would have sounded better. Cause I would have gone back and edited, but I was just, it just flew out no, of no, my no, out. I enjoy that, that. I enjoy that. I thought it
0: was very, that was kind. It was kind. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to say 625 and one out loud and see how it feels, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, you know, hope of a, of a greater day. It's what mobile is all about, right? Yes. Mobile, Alabama and the candlewood suites signifies hope of a brighter day <laughs> and an incredible DVD collection behind the front desk.
1: Not just the DVD. They have a, a lending locker. They've got, um, cause these are, <laughs> these are suites. So you can get all kinds of, um, of, Dishware and coffee makers and all, all types of things that you can you can borrow to bring up to your suite. And I don't plan on doing that, but it is nice to know it's an option. There's tons of board games down there. I don't know if there's families coming in here and they they don't have anything to entertain their kids. You can you can they can, they will lend you Risk. You can sit and play that for hours. Oh man, have you ever played Risk? Uh, well, the Seinfeld episode
0: of play, <laughs> I have tended to play Risk, uh, of course. Uh, and I just don't have the patience for it but the Seinfeld
1: episode the Ukraine is
0: weak <laughs> is one of the one of my all-time
1: favorites <laughs> yeah this is a game it's it's like monopoly very more people I think don't finish the games than actually do finish it
0: oh yeah yeah there's no doubt uh, okay Jay, you've got stats of course uh you got some first to la- some last to first stats um as we talk about teams and turnarounds and and all that type of stuff. What do you? Well, let's 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 dive in again. You have a whole story up on last first where you talk to all the other last place teams who could be the most likely to do it this year. Some of the factors that dictate, um, you know, why certain teams do do it. But um, you've got more. You got even more.
1: Yeah, I did. I touched kind of on the the offensive DVOA and and defensive DVOA rankings in in the piece, but it's it's really interesting when you're looking for teams that make that leap. From, from last place to playoffs, one thing that they they almost all have in common is at least one of their units in that last place year, either offense or defense, is in the top half of the league. It gives them at least some sort of base to build on. Um, of the most recent six teams to do it and the most successful eight teams to do it, and by successful I mean they, they not only went last place to playoffs, they went last place to the conference championship game or Super Bowl. Um, nine of 12 teams were in the top half of the league in DVOA on either one side or the other, and six of 12 were in the top 10. That doesn't hit the Bengals well because the Bengals were in the upper 20s in both last year. And then the other, if you're looking for hope for why the Bengals could be the team to do it next year, this also doesn't hit them well. Um of all these teams that have done it 11 of the 14 the head coach was either in year one or year, year two with that team and now like ron rivera last year did it with the with washington obviously he's not a first year coach but he was new to that team and you you see that when a head coach comes in there's just that that spark where they can sometimes it's already building anyhow um but the, the, a new head coach can come in and really kind of be the difference that takes a team from last place to the playoffs. Um, that's not going to be the case with the Bengals, obviously, with with Zach going into year three. Uh, the other thing, it's the opposite with quarterbacks. That of the teams, those those fourteen teams I mentioned, the most recent six and the most successful eight, nine out of fourteen had a quarterback that was in year three or later of his career. So the the idea of Joe Burrow in year two, um, again, that that doesn't hit the Bengals well. All these stats. Of, of the teams most likely to do it, it doesn't, it doesn't put the Bengals in the, in the best chances to do it, but we've seen it 16 out of the last 18 years, at least one team has gone from last to the playoffs. And you look at the, the last place teams this year, right? That maybe the 49 or not, maybe the 49ers are definitely the favorite to do it. But after that, you know, it, it I, 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 when we power ranked them on last week's pod, I, I had the Bengals second. Um, the, the odds that bet online gave me uh, had them much farther down the list. They had the Eagles second. But I think that's just because that division was so bad. So history suggests maybe not the Bengals, but when you look at what the Bengals actually have, maybe they do have a better chance than, than what these stats would say. I did not realize these were going to be sad stats. <laughs> they always are. They always are.
0: They always are. We have hope that they won't be, but then they always are. Um all right so a lot of all that that is up on the site uh you can go read that story of course I have from last week uh we had the categorization of all 65 uh players the roster at the end of the year plus injured reserve and opt outs uh into whether they were uh complimentary pieces future core pieces parting ways all of that that all of that categorization story is 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 up on the site the offensive line look story is up mailbag um, we've got tons of stuff that is that is all up there just just Bengals related, not to mention all I love it I, I do love this time of year when the draft guys start coming and you start getting <laughs> Dane stuff in there in the mix too and it's just killers every day it feels like there's something new and hey happy five year anniversary to us. That's Not right. us, partic- specifically. We 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 glommed on, but five years ago, the Athletics started with their first tweet out of Chicago, uh, and so we five years old, over over a million subscribers. Things hey, it's pretty good, pretty good run, pretty good, pretty good run. So great start, happy, happy f- f- fifth birthday. Uh, to to us at the athletic, hope you will come and join us. Of course. Uh, all right. Uh, that'll that'll wrap us up. We are going to do a special uh, Senior Bowl recap growler. How about that? Growler coming to you on Friday, um, yeah. where Jay's going to kind of go over some of the stuff seen, heard, observed, and such down in Mobile. Hopefully, none of it involves looking through binoculars. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> <laughs> um and so we're gonna have a little little growler for you later this week um to kind of recap some of the, everything that jay had down with boots on the ground in mobile so keep an eye out for that all right thanks everybody for listening i uh, hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you on friday on here that podcast ground.